Well, you're a very complex person. Did you know that? Your wife has probably told you sometimes, you know, you're a very complex man. Or your husband has told you from time to time, you're a complicated woman. And sometimes when I get a friend request from somebody on Facebook and I don't know them, I'll click the about to see maybe if I've met them in my travels or where they're from. And a lot of times for relationships, they will put, see if you can say it with me, it's complicated. We're complicated people. Look at your wife or your husband or your neighbor this morning and say, you're very complex. Would you do that right now? Just, you're very complex. Well, the Bible says the same thing in Psalms 139 and verse 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now look at your neighbor and say, you are wonderfully complex. Some of you are saying that like dying calves in a hailstorm, making big eyes at each other there. You know, save it for later. You are wonderfully, wonderfully complex. If you want to understand human beings, if you want to understand the way God has made us, you have to look at every facet of our lives. We're like a diamond. We're like a diamond that sparkles and glitters. And this last week, we put a diamond under a microscope, an electronic microscope, and just to, to see this diamond that is supposedly flawless, and there's no certain, there is not a flawless diamond that exists. Every diamond has some kind of flaw in it, but according to the jewelers, this was flawless. And looking at it under an electron microscope, you could see things and sparkles that you'd never saw before. Well, the person that you are, the person that you live with, and the little guys that you're raising, they're wonderfully complex people and complicated. Now, I'm a man, so pardon me. I just happen to think men are not as complicated as women are. If you could imagine a dashboard with a speedometer, park, reverse, and drive, that's men. But if you could imagine a speedometer with all kinds of dials and gauges and settings, that's women in my opinion. That's in my opinion. You can disagree if you want to. We just have one switch, and that's off and on, okay? Is that all right, guys? We're either off or we're on, but with ladies, it's, things seem to be a little different. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 18, a person who fears God deals responsibly with all of reality, not just a piece of it. And so it's important in marriage, it's important in your vocation or your career, it's important for me as a pastor to seek to understand all the various realities of life and what that means. Those different chromosomes that you and I have, those matter in our life. We all have identical chromosomes, Till men have one half of one chromosome, women have another half of a chromosome, and coming together, somehow or another, the spark of life happens as God created, and another human being comes into the world. We see gender matters because gender results in generations. Generations result and, and people then that can meet Christ and be regenerated to know the reality of what God wants them to be. We live in a confusing world and a complex world because right now, as I've scanned various news sites, as I've scanned psychology sites and preparing for this last message in the Daniel plan, wanting to really bring it all home together, we're looking at a world that just simply doesn't understand 
The complexity as God created it, but the simplicity of God created it. Did you know Facebook has over 50 different ways that you can identify yourself rather than being a man or a woman? The world is getting so complicated and complex that we're forgetting. Parents are afraid in some circles to assign a gender to their child that God gave that child because they're afraid that they're going to confuse or hurt that child later in life. I want to talk to you about facets that we all share this morning. I tell you that I, I pray about five facets of my life. I pray as a person. I pray as a partner as Becky's husband. I pray as a parent, as the father to my four children and my grandchildren. I pray as a pastor, and then I pray as a pilgrim. Those are the five facets of my life. But there are five other facets I'd like to talk to you about because when I looked at this flawless diamond this last week under a, an electron microscope, I was fascinated because this flawless diamond is pitted, this flawless diamond is scarred, this flawless diamond has flaws that are deep within it, and yet, according to jewelers, they're able to call it flawless. And as I looked at that diamond, I thought about this. A diamond is like every one of us here. All of us are flawed in some way. Can you say amen? All of us have flaws in our life. There are five areas of flaws in our lives. And as you know, this is done in partnership with Saddleback Church and Pastor Rick Warren and his book, The Daniel Plan. So I took these five from him. You can probably read about them in the book if you've read the book. Number one, we're flawed in our chemistry. That's our body. That's the things in our body, whether we're healthy or whether we're unhealthy. Some of us, we were born completely healthy. We were born with everything that we needed in life. Some of us were born with flawed bodies, flawed chemistry, flawed skeletal systems, flawed muscular systems. Some of us were born disabled in according to the world. This week, I was talking to my family and telling them how much weight I had lost and on the Daniel plan since we've been doing that together. And <clears throat> we had a memory of my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law, every time we got together, Gary, who just went to heaven, Gary and I, he'd go, let's go away. Let's see who weighs the most. And for some reason, Gary was always challenging me on weight. And so we'd always step on the scales, and I was always just a little lighter than him, and he was always saying, I'm going to catch you. And Benjamin goes, well, Dad, that's no fair. You've got a lot of missing junk inside of your body. <laughs> you know, some of us, we've had flawed bodies. It's affected how we think. It's affected our chemistry. It's affected our emotions. Maybe it's affected our energy. Some of us, we have flawed connections. Not all of us grew up in a happy home. Not all of us grew up in a home where mom and dad loved each other and loved God and taught us to love one another and to love the Lord. Some of us have had failed marriages. Some of us have failed relationships that have caused deep pain in our life. One time in Mark chapter 12, a man came up to Jesus and basically he asked him, he said, Jesus, what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? And Jesus summed it up real nicely when he says, you're to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can read about this in Mark chapter 12. But he also says, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, someone else kind of just pushes this envelope a little further. Well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story about a good Samaritan that was despised by Jews helping a Jewish man that had been beat up, and religious people passed him by, but this despised Samaritan helped him. So everybody is my neighbor. 
life is all about love if it's about relationships, but love in our experience is imperfect. Love in our experience is also disconnected, and love in our experience can be very fearful. Some of you maybe were very fearful in your dating relationships. Some of you watching online, some of you here today, you may be very fearful about entering into another relationship because you've had a failed marriage or you've had a failed relationship with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. But the fact is that each of us crave acceptance. When people pat us on the back and say, boy," that means something to us. When people embrace us and tell us they love us and accept us just like we are, that means something to us. But at the same time, we fear rejection. And one of the wonderful things about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is Jesus says to everyone, to your neighbor, to my neighbor, to the whole wide world, to people who love him, to people who hate him, to people who have never heard of him, to people who have yet still to hear of him, Jesus says, whoever will come to me, he will love them, he will accept them, and he will give them right to become the children of God. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? I mean, everybody can be accepted. And then there's my circumstances that are flawed. What has happened to you in life? Many of you have had unfair things happen to you. Many of you have had unjust things happen to you. And when you think about the flawed circumstances of our life, that's the reason in our SHAPE class, here at our SHAPE interview here at the church, we talk about your experiences in life because God wants to use your negative experiences as well as your positive experiences in life. And many times, it's those hurtful experiences that you have had that helps people more than your positive experiences in life. And then fourthly, there's my consciousness. My consciousness is what I think about myself. My consciousness is how I talk to myself. It's my self-talk. It's the way I speak to myself. Do you know, let me just ask this question. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you, your friends would still be your friends if you talk to them the way you talk to yourself? How many of you go, I am so stupid. You're such an idiot. How many of you ever talk, now let me see your hands. You ever just say these kind? Of course we all do. And yet it's that self-consciousness that we're developing, and our self-consciousness, it comes from the way we speak to ourselves. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says this, For as he or she thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he saith to thee, this is to the host, eat and drink, he saith to thee, but his heart is not with thee. What is he saying? This man who's saying, eat and drink and encouraging you, He's really not your friend. There are people in life that will flatter you that are really not your friend. And the only way that you can overcome flattery, the only way that you can overcome deceit is to overcome that self-defeatism that we experience in our negativity. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, be careful how you think, for your life is shaped by your thoughts. Would you read that with me? Be careful how you think, your life is shaped by your thoughts. So I need to be careful how I think about someone if I'm angry. I need to be careful how I think about someone if I'm in a, a business uh, relationship. with. I need to be careful about how I think about myself. And then, number five, my choices. This is a blessing and a curse because God gives us the freedom to choose. 
Now, this is so important that I want to spend just a couple of minutes here on this because we are pro-choice people. Not when it comes to abortion, but when it comes to life. And the reason that I despise the fact that the world uses pro-choice to end a life, to end a human life, to end a baby's life, the reason I despise that is they're taking a blessing and they're transforming it into a curse. The ability to choose is what gives us the ability to freely love. I'm pro-life, but I'm also pro-choice in that God gives me the ability to choose. And whether you like it or not, you are also pro-choice because you have the ability to choose. Your ability to choose is the problem solver in your life. Your ability to make a wise choice, to make a loving choice, to make a godly choice, to make a serving choice, to make a helpful choice, that's the problem solver in your life that you're able to solve problems in your life and help other people to solve problems in their life. When I choose greedily, when I choose selfishly, when I choose that pleasure is the highest good, and if you remember a couple of weeks ago, my message was all about let love be your highest goal. When I choose pleasure as my highest goal, then I will eliminate anything, including a baby, if it hinders my pleasure or my ambitions. So choice is a blessing, but it's a curse. What I do with my body really matters. That's why the Daniel plan has been so important, because it's about our relationships, it's about our faith, it's about our fitness, it's about being healthy enough to be able to serve the Lord, it's about connections, but it's also becoming responsible in our circumstances in life. Making right choices is responsibility. Can you say amen to that? Making, making right choices is responsibility. Making right choices is the path to maturity. Making right choices means I choose to think differently. So when somebody in our world says, well, I'm pro-choice, you need to stop and think about that for just a moment. They have chosen the path of death rather than the path of life. And God says in his word, I set before you a choice of life or death. Choose life. Let's give him a hand of praise for that this morning. So how do we win in life? How do we win in life? Number one, I can choose to get healthier. I can choose to get, whether you're disabled, whatever you're handicapped, Whatever you're facing in life, your body chemistry, you can choose to make some decisions that are going to increase your energy. You can choose to make some decisions that are going to lower your stress. You can choose to make some decisions that are going to help you go to sleep at night. You can choose to make some decisions and say, Lord, I'm going to make the most out of what I've got. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Long, long time ago in another galaxy far, far away, I was a percussionist. I played the drums. I had the privilege of playing for one of our presidents one time, many, many years ago. I loved, I had a set of black pearl Ludwig drums, Zildjian cymbals, and 
I just loved playing those drums. I went to a very conservative Christian college, and I bought my drums, and come to find out, I could not play my drums because that wasn't considered very spiritual and very worshipful, so I had to pack all of my drums up and carry them back home. I was speaking at my college just recently, and there was this gigantic set of drums that were there, and I went, what a change from when I was a kid here and told I wasn't very spiritual. It sounded like rock and roll. Rock and roll is going to be in heaven. Somebody say amen this morning. Well, that was not even on the subject, but I needed to get that off my chest. Anyhow, here's the point I'm making to you. The Bible says in Psalms 119 and verse 73, you made my body, Lord. Now give me the sense to heed your laws. I heeded what my school said to do. I remember, I have this in my old journals. I remember saying, I'm going to make the most out of what I've got because those drums meant so much to me. And yet I heeded the counsel of the school and the school invested so much in my life, invested so much in making room for me to be able to be a student there. What I learned there was principles of pain management, emotional pain management, physical pain management. And now we know things about pain we didn't know 10 years ago. Last week I told you about the surgeon who walked in uh, last week to, to see me and he says, you don't exist, you're a miracle. And he was bringing all these pictures. He said to me, he said, if the surgeries that were done on you in the 50s were done today, that would be considered savagery and butchery. We have learned so much. I have been meditating on that, and I feel like I have a word from heaven. You've got to judge whether I do or not, but some of you have maybe come to the place where you're despairing of life. You're thinking of giving up on life. Listen to me. Don't you give up on life. Things are going to get better. God has a plan and a will for your life. You matter to God. You matter to this church. You matter to the world. We need you. Somebody say amen today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number two, I can choose to deepen my relationships. I can risk connecting with other people. I can risk being able to love people even though I fear rejection. There was a song that Becky and I used to sing and the lyrics went like this, I can love, I can love, I can risk loving you for the one who knows me best loves me most. You are loved. You are loved. Won't you please take my hand? We're free to love each other. And you go, well, those are sweet lyrics. What's it based upon? Well, the next verse just puts it all together. Forgiven, I repeat it. I'm forgiven and clean before my Lord. I freely stand. Forgiven, I can dare to forgive my brother. Forgiven, I reach out to take your hand. And if you want to hear that song, it's by Bill Gaither. Just download it on Spotify or your Apple Music. What is the song saying there? The song is saying, anytime you reach out to love somebody, you're risking rejection. Anytime you reach out to build a relationship, you're risking your feelings and your emotion. But it's the fear of rejection. It's the fear of rejection that prevents us from having connection. It's the fear of rejection that prevents us from having connections in our life that really matter. Awkwardness will not kill you. I'm an introvert. 
Yesterday, somebody said, are you an extrovert? And I said, no, I'm a learned extrovert. You have no idea how awkward it is for me to walk into a room and start introducing myself to people and meeting people. Number one, I don't want to be in the room. Number two, I'd rather be standing on the other side. And can I just give you a hint? There's nothing like holding a cup of coffee in your hands to make you feel like you got a shield in front of you. You see... But what I've learned is awkwardness won't kill you. You just, some of you, I admire you so much. You're like Tigger. You just bounce into the room and you know everybody is happy to see you. How many of you know a Tigger? How many of you know I'm not exaggerating? You see, if you've got that kind of personality, everybody loves you. But you're constantly making a mess that everybody else has got to clean up. You see, in our lives, we have to make those risks because the Bible says that perfect love will cast out all fear. Look at 1 Corinthians 14.1. Let love be your highest goal. If love is your highest goal, when you walk into a room, you're not thinking about yourself. When you walk into a room, you're thinking about somebody else. When you walk into a room, if you're like a lot of people, and if you're like me, it was, was, am I dressed right? Do I have all the right shoes for this occasion? Do I, how do I look? You stop in front of the mirror and you check yourself. Nobody else is thinking about you. They're all thinking about themselves. Are they dressed right? Are they wearing the right clothes? And they stop in front. So just take note of other people and get the focus off yourself because that's loving others. You're moving against your fear rather than let your fear move you. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 with me this morning. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts by faith and that your love will be strong, that your life will be strong in love and be built on love. Circle these words for me right here if you would. Live in your hearts, your life will be strong in love, and your life will be built on love. You see, if you find yourself rejected, then redirect the way you're going. I don't mean this cruelly. If somebody rejects me, I don't go crawl in the corner anymore and go, why don't they like me? I just go find somebody else that does want to talk to me. Does that make sense? And here's what I found out. And I'm just saying, look, I'm, you know, I'm getting on up there in life, so there's a little bit of experience. Young folks, listen to me. Here's what I found out. The more people that want to come talk to me, the more the people that rejected want to come talk to me. And what you want to do is just act in love and not try to hurt anybody, but continue to point people to Jesus. 1 John 4 and verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. How many of you have been born again? Can I see your hand this morning? Just lift it up. Perfect love lives in your heart this morning. Perfect love lives in your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, perfect love lives in my heart today. When Jesus dwells in your heart, he will drive out fear. Number three, I can choose then to trust God no matter what happens. I can choose to trust God. God gave me an identity. God gave you an identity that nobody else has in life. And you may be thinking, as I have thought in times past, How can you trust God when bad stuff happens in life? 
We all have flawed connections. We all have flawed chemistry. We all have flaws in our life. How can you trust God if we have these flaws in our life? Well, let's look then, because God has an answer for that. Let's look in the book of Romans chapter 8. God knows us far better than we know ourselves. In other words, when God says he knows me, look at me, he knows me better than I know myself. He knows you better than you know yourself. What God is saying to you is this, trust me, trust my judgment in life, trust my word for your life, trust me more than you trust your own judgment and your own assessment. That's why we can be so sure that every detail, circle that little two-word phrase here, every detail, that's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Stop for just a moment. You mean my broken relationships? You mean my disability? You mean all of the bad things that happened in my life, God is saying he can work that into something good? Yes. He's not saying that what happened to you is good. He's not saying what somebody did to you is good. He's not saying that your baby that was born disabled, that that was good. But God says if you will trust him, he will work every detail into your life into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. Now stop there. This is huge. This is huge. At the outset, God decided to shape your life, your life, my life, according to the outline of his son. That means that God knew in the very beginning we would sin. Adam and Eve knew a world of peace. Adam and Eve knew a world without COVID, without germs, without any sort of illness. Adam and Eve knew a world where the animals, you know, lived together peacefully. Adam and Eve knew that world. It was when they took their pro-choice opportunity and they chose wisely. I mean, foolishly. God told them you can choose anything you want to eat. You can choose to protect. But this one thing, do not eat of this tree. And so Adam and Eve took the blessing of choice and chose a curse and chose, listen, chose death, and suddenly the world was plunged into darkness and violence and confusion that continues to erupt in our world. We see it every day around us, from a school shooting in a private school by a confused woman by crazed dictator in Russia, determined to bomb into submission, even if it means nuclear war in Ukraine, to someone buying and selling children on the open market, that one choice opened the floodgates of hell, and hell literally vomited into creation as we know it, But God said, and this is why this week is so important, I will create a people 
who will accept me and love me, and they will be remolded into the life of my son. And as we celebrate Good Friday here, Friday night in this church together, and we remember the cross of Calvary, we remember that Christ became sin. Everything, the choice that Adam and Eve made when they chose that tree, God took it upon himself, died on that cross for our sins, so that sin could be broken in our lives and we could choose life and not death. Can somebody give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? We can take our choice and be true choice for life. Let's finish. The Son then stands first in the line of humanity he restored. Wait a minute. God is restoring humanity right now. It's not just heaven, but God is doing a work of restoration right now. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. When you see Jesus, you see God's will and God's plan for your life. Therefore, David could say in Psalm 34 and verse 1, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Listen, maybe you really need this this morning. For many years, I was a prisoner of my past, fearful of rejection, fearful of life, fearful to make plans for the future. But if I discovered anything in Christ, is that I may be a product of what happened to me in the past, but I am not a prisoner of it. When you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, he breaks those chains and he sets you free to become what he originally intended you to be in Christ Jesus this morning. I know we've done it several times, but I just feel like praising God this morning. Can we just lift our hands to him and just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for saving and forgiving my sins and giving me the ability to choose life today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. And then number four, I can choose what I think about. I can choose what I think about. I can choose my self-talk. I can choose my self-thoughts. I, I choose to confess God's word over my life. I choose to think about God's word over my life. The one thing I can't do, I can't do, is, David, I can't choose what you think about me. And I'm so glad you're my friend. But I, am so, I can't choose what you think about me. I can't choose what my enemies think about me. But I can choose what I think about my friends, and I can choose what I think about my enemies. I can choose to think like God did. I can choose what I allow to stay in my mind. And I, I recently, because of a conversation I had with one of the men in the church that is much smarter and much brighter than I am, that was talking to me about neuroplasticity. I can't even say the word hardly, but I've been reading about it. And I did not know that our bad memories are stored in the amygdala of our brains, and are the bad memories and the traumatic memories, and our happy memories are stored in the hippocampus of our brain. And the reason that that's important, I'm not trying to impress you with what I read in Wikipedia, the reason that that is important is the brain can be rewired. We've learned that now, that you can choose by thinking God's thought and what God's word says about you rather than being negative and doubtful and fearful and living in rejection. You can choose to say what God thinks about you and change your whole outlook on life. Isn't that good news this morning? That's wonderful news. Your brain can be renewed and rewired. 
That's the reason Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It's one more time where science meets the Bible and is, agrees with the Bible, has caught up with the Bible. You're literally, when you confess God's word, you're putting seeds of truth into your mind. Look at Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Those are the things that you have to make a choice. That's what I'm going to allow in my brain. Because what you allow in your brain will eventually get into your soul. And what gets into your soul is what's going to make you whole in the name of Jesus. So there's how we overcome this flaw. And then finally today, I can choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I can choose Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus daily as my Savior. I choose Him daily because I need the power of God at work in my life. And I'm not talking about being saved from sin and being saved out of hell into heaven. If you haven't done that, you need to do that today. Today, the Bible says is the day of salvation. If you haven't personally committed your life to Jesus and says, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm inviting you to be the master and the Lord of my life. I don't understand it all yet, but I'm asking you to live in my heart. I'm asking you, Lord, to make me one of your own. You need to do that today. But what I am talking about right now is choosing daily the power of God that helps you live and saves you from the power of sin in the world. Years ago, I preached a message on what is sin. Sin is a power at work in the world. We talked about the power of sin at work in the world, but then we talked about our sins past, we talked about our sins present, and we talked about our sins future. And we talked about how those were sins, but sin is a power at work in the world according to the Bible. And the reason that Jesus teaches us daily to pray, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, is we are being saved from the power of sin at work. Where? In my chemistry? In my connections? In my circumstances? In my consciousness? In my choice? You see, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When someone becomes a Christian... He becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Would you underline that? A new life has begun. A new life has begun. And you don't have to leave here today like you came. If you're not a Christian, you can leave. If you're watching online, you can, you can leave today totally transformed, a new life beginning. And if you came here today, and you are a Christian, but it feels like constantly you're being defeated. It feels like constantly you're being overwhelmed. And maybe you've even thought, <coughs> I'm never going to overcome these flaws. Maybe you've even thought, this body is so broken, it's not worth going on. Maybe you've thought, 
without someone in my life, if they've rejected me, I'm worthless. Maybe you've come to this church and you just feel so overwhelmed today. You sang, you clapped, you smiled, but you know you've been telling yourself you're such a failure. You're such an idiot. You're never, never going to get out of this. You'd never talk to your friends that way. And I got to tell you something. Look at me. God would never talk to you that way. You can't find it anywhere in the scriptures. Anywhere in the scriptures where God talks to you that way. But he constantly calls us to look to Christ who can save us daily from this powerful battle that we are in. And he does something supernatural. He makes us even more than a conqueror because in this flawed body, this flawed mind, and my flawed relationships, there is one greater who lives within me. And every day he whispers to you and to me, you are my beloved. Can you say amen? Stand with me this morning and let me pray for you. <clears throat> if you're watching online, would you just bow your heads with us and agree with me in prayer right now? Father, I'm asking you right now for people who God, like some of the folks in our church, their bodies just don't work the way everybody else's works. I'm asking you for healing, and I'm asking you for strength. Father, I'm praying for those whose self-talk, Lord, has been so negative. They'd never speak to their wife or children or their friends the way they're speaking to themselves. Help them to begin to plant seeds of truth. God, I pray for those today who are lonely. They're isolated because, Lord, it's just awkward to try and make connections. Maybe they've never gone to a small group simply because they're afraid. Help them to know that here and at many, many other churches, Lord, there are just small groups of people welcoming them, loving them. Help them, Lord, to forget about themselves, humbly, and to think about others. Lord, I'm asking you right now for those who've just been beat up by life. God, we're still recovering from COVID. And I'm praying right now, Holy Spirit of God, help them to see that you're going to take every single detail. Some of what has happened <clears throat> is not good. But God, you're going to work it to good, and you're going to make our lives more and more like Jesus every single day. Are you receiving this this morning? Are you receiving this right now? 
Father, I ask you finally today, give us all the wisdom to daily choose Jesus as our Savior. And if you've never done that, would you pray with me right now and just simply say, Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you that you're going to work every detail, past, present, and future, into a wonderful plan for my life. Thank you that you're connecting me to you. You live in me. Now I can live in you. I don't understand that, but I believe that this morning. And thank you that you're making me a part of the church, the body of Christ around the world, Lord. So today, I give you my life 100%. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And while every head is bowed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I'm committing or recommitting my life to Jesus today. God bless you, sir. God bless you, man. God bless you. Are there others? Yes. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise all across the building today, online?